Hi, and welcome to Last Man Standing with me, Paul Stevenson, here live with you on Republic Broadcasting Network <coughs> on this uh, Saturday, the 2nd of March, 2024. Welcome, everyone. I hope you're all well. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, before I forget, uh, do donate. Uh, you can do that uh, by mail-in. Uh, you can mail in checks, cash, or money orders to RBN 2251 Double Creek Drive, Suite 302, Round Rock, Texas 78664. Or you can donate by credit or debit card on 512-246-9549, extension 3. Or on toll-free 800-724-2719. Um, and for today's purposes, uh, if you want to call in, and you're welcome to do so, the lines are open. Uh, the number to call in is uh, live here at 512-248-8252 or toll-free 800-313-9443. That's toll-free 800 313 Nine four four three, and if you go to, by the way, just uh, on the website as well, uh, pertaining to donations, you can click on the yellow donate button as well. And there's the pay uh, by credit card or debit card option, as well as a, a PayPal donate option. And we do need immediate uh, donations, um, everyone, to keep the show on the road. And as you know, you're not going to find the sort of content you uh, hear on RBN. Like I always said, we might not get it right, always. But we're well-intentioned. We're not uh, compromised. We're not uh, propagandizing anyone. And uh, it's unfiltered. We can uh, talk freely about anything. Nothing is taboo, thankfully. And uh, this kind of uh, platform medium is rare today. Um, in terms of radio, I think we're probably unique so please do donate again. It's uh, 512-246-9549, extension 3, toll-free 800-724-2719. It's all appreciated, big or small. If you can manage 10 $20, $30 right now, that would be fantastic. Okay. And again, call in, toll-free 800-313-9443. Today's topics, well, we're going to be talking more about Macron's statement last week. Um with regards to putting French troops uh, in the Russian-Ukraine war theatre. Uh, this was immediately pushed back on by other major players in the NATO alliance, including the United States, Germany and the UK. I want to initially I was kind of pretty quickly dismissive of Macron because Macron <clears throat> you know he says a lot of things but he's a bit of a an airbag in many ways but since then I've thought more about it particularly in light of the fact that I think the the NATO countries in the west it has dawned on them and I think there are concerning uh, sentiments now within the likes of France and the US and the UK uh, for the strength of Russia 
I think they've realized they've underestimated Russia. And I think it's become quite apparent, if they didn't know before, with the fall of uh, Avdeevka, that Russia are on the front foot and the Ukrainians are very much running out of options. Uh, they are severely diminished in air defenses and they are severely uh, diminished in their ability uh, to put up any kind of defense at this point. Um, uh, they are out of shells and artillery and um, they're out of a lot of things, including, uh, like I said, options and manpower. <coughs> and since then, I'm going to preface this by saying, if you remember not that long ago, probably a year ago, maybe like a little longer than a year ago, when the United States and the West were supplying weapons to Ukraine, it was with the uh, qualifier that these weapons were for defensive purposes only. In other words, they weren't, at least publicly, they were stating that these weapons were not to be used into Russian territory itself. Now, the Ukrainians have gone ahead and actually conducted some attacks on Russian soil, obviously, since, but the Americans have at least distanced themselves and have officially, you know, up to that point, <clears throat> said that these weapons are only su supplied to the Kiev regime uh, for defensive purposes only. Since then, and since Macron's statement, and since the uh, pushback on Macron's statement by those that I've just mentioned, the US, France, the UK, Germany, uh, we have had, I believe, what is an escalation in the light of what I've just said, because we've had uh, the Finnish defense minister, uh, I think his name, Alti Hakkinen, or is it Ante Hakkinen, Mr. Hakkinen, we'll call him, uh, saying that they are supplying weapons to Ukraine with the blessing that they can strike within Russian territory. And more concerningly, uh, Jan Stoltenberg, the NATO chief, has also said that weapons provided to Ukraine can be used within Russian territory. And this he is kind of uh, uh, put forth this idea as a defensive notion with the qualifier that Ukraine has the right to defend itself. It's interesting that the Palestinians, in fact, under international law, and I think Stoltenberg cited international law, perhaps learning something about international law from the Chinese foreign minister when he recently uh, told us that uh, the Palestinians have a right to defend itself. We hear a lot about Israel's right to defend itself, but under international law, an occupied force, which is what Israel is, in what is supposed to be Palestinian territory, the Palestinians have a right to defend themselves. This has been flipped, you know, completely on its head. And the constant statements coming from Western leaders and Western media is that Israel has a right to defend itself. So, Perhaps uh, Stoltenberg has been listening to this. He's been learning something in international law, but as I say, the double standard is uh, obvious. Um, but it's a shift, I believe. It's an escalation. And my concern is, uh, I said this right at the start of the war, that if Ukraine fail in their objectives and if the West, rather, using Ukraine 
as a proxy uh, to essentially uh, bring about regime change to get rid of Putin, basically. Um, that what what will they do then? Will they admit defeat? These hegemons? Will they put their hands up and say we were beaten fair and square by Vladimir Putin? Got to remember that the sanctions haven't worked. This has pushed China and Russia more together. This has accelerated the collapse of the dollar and alternative uh, banking and financial systems as a result of these heavy sanctions. They're even talking about actually not just freezing, but seizing 300 billion pounds worth of U.S. assets or uh, Russian assets. Even if they don't, the mere fact that they're talking about it will have alarm bells ringing around the world for other nations in the Middle East, in China, in Africa, wherever. Nations which are much more pro-Russian, nations which are part of the BRICS alliance that have assets here who will now be concerned and much more motivated to get out from under this U.S. dollar yoke, this U.S. dollar hegemony that serves the United States, and to some extent, a lesser extent, the West, but particularly the United States. And what are they going to do if this whole thing collapses and, they lo- and they're losing control? They're losing world domination. Are they going to go quietly? I don't think so. I think they'd be quite prepared to bring the whole tent down with them. And my fear is that that could involve NATO troops being finally sent into that theater and even nuclear weapons. It's interesting because Vladimir Putin has seems to have interpreted this, uh, this kind of rhetoric from Macron as a threat. And he was speaking at the... Um, a state of the nation uh, he addressed this a state of the nation address last week where he reminded western nations and i think it was directed specifically really at the united states that if nato troops are sent into ukraine that russia has nuclear weapons and that they can reach anywhere So I think Vladimir Putin is interpreting this as a threat, an escalation. And I think he's right. Initially, like I said, I dismissed Macron as a a kind of a hot air merchant who will say anything to any given audience on any given day, which he does. But I think this was designed almost to sort of move the Overton window, to bring this idea, at least give it some air where it has kind of been a no-no, an absolute no-no up until now. But it's a response to the failure in Kiev, and I do, and I do believe, like Macron said, nothing is off the table. Now you've had the, this pushback, but from these politicians, but you know, I, when these politicians say say something, I, I usually call me cynical, but I usually think it's concerning when they say something uh, which is designed to reassure people here in the West, because usually what these people say is the opposite of what's going to happen. You know, you can imagine. A full-fledged World War Three scenario, eighteen months or two years from now, and playing the clips where Schultz in Germany came out categorically, unequivocally stating that NATO and no German troops will be on Ukrainian soil. 
And you can be assured. Well, we're not assured, reassured because you people speak out of both sides of your mouth and you're not to be trusted. Um, so I think this could well escalate and it's very concerning. But like I said, you really think these people are going to go peacefully when they've lost? Okay, Mr. Putin, you beat us. Okay, Mr. Putin, you've, you've really turned everything on its head. We thought we were going to crush you and commit regime change and come in there, get rid of your influence and come in there and divide up your country and take all your resources and happy days. And instead, it's massively backfired. You're now more, you have more close alliances with China, Iran, many of the South Africa, of the African nations, Brazil, other Russia-friendly countries. In fact, you know, it's only the West who have this Russia-phobia, Russia-hatred thing going on. And I firmly believe that those in the West who buy into this do so as a result of absolute and utter Russia-phobic propaganda. There is no reason to hate Russia. Russia has not caused any problems to the United States. The Soviet Union has collapsed. Russia has been su supplying very cheap natural gas to Germany, which has benefited Europe massively. So why all the Russia-phobia? And despite all the propaganda... I would say you probably, at least at this stage anyway, maybe at the start it was more, but clear-thinking people who are a little bit more sophisticated and highly, you know, disseminate their information don't see Russia as a threat. So even in the West, you probably got 50% or at least a third of people in the West who don't buy into this Russian propaganda and have educated themselves about the, the historical context of this war <clears throat> and what's been happening in the Donbass region, for example. But yet you hear the talking heads in Western media, anything that's to be questioned about the mainstream, main, mainstream narrative about Russian uh, war, somehow you're crazy, you're, you know, that the census that you're voice the well, not even voice the wilderness anymore. More and more people are taking the positions of people like Myself, people uh, and people on this radio show, people like John Mersheimer, people like Douglas McGregor, people like Max Blumenthal, many other websites, libertarians, socialists. This is the interesting thing about all this, and uh, it seems to be smashing the left-right paradigm, these wars, because you're having people like Judge Napolitano a libertarian, inviting on people like Max Blumenthal. These guys are pretty much open border supporters, socialists in their thinking. Um, George Galloway, who's just with much controversy uh, been voted to represent the district of Rochdale uh, largely due to the Muslim vote and the outrage about what's been happening in Gaza. Uh, he also has been talking to people like Douglas McGregor, a conservative, a libertarian, largely capitalist in his thinking, I would imagine, when it comes to government, fiscal and economic policy. Um, generally, 
conservatives. So you've, you've had all these people coming together. When, when Putin did his address to the nation, it was quite clear that Putin is not a, a communist. This is not the Soviet Union. He is a Russian nationalist. But in his fiscal and his economic policies, there are ostensibly socialist elements to them. In fact, you could quite easily describe Vladimir Putin's position today, ironically, I suppose, when he's constantly banging on and seeing Nazis everywhere. And I think Putin does amplify and exaggerate that narrative for his own benefit at home, and that's his business, I guess. But he could be described as a national socialist. And actually, when you consider the kind of provocations that, that are going towards the man, there are echoes in more than one uh, uh, from the 1930s. Um, and, of course, people have interpreted some of the morons in the West here who are brainwashed by the narrative of the 1930s and what occurred in World War II, i.e. the simplicity and the what I would call aggressive propaganda, but the narrative, which has been pumped out ever since World War II, devoid of any nuance uh, or context, has been Hitler's the most evil man in the world. Germany, we're all a bunch of brainwashed people. And in fact, you hear people in the West talk about the Russians like that, that they're under the spell of this uh, dictator. They're incapable of thinking for themselves. They're good people, really. We've nothing against the Russian people, I hear, you know, Western talking heads sometimes. But they are susceptible. A bit like, I've heard even compared to this country, uh, they're a bit like the Brexit people. They're a bit dim-witted and very weak-minded, so they're susceptible to, you know, propaganda and lies by <clears throat> nefarious politicians. Like the Brexit, like those who wanted to stay in the EU. Of course, they are, of course, the you know, off the chart, educated, well informed, well read people. They read the Guardian and the Independent, uh, which is about as independent as a two year old toddler, and they present themselves as being immune from propaganda. Oh, the irony! As the scripture said, making themselves, uh, seeing themselves as wise, they made themselves fools. You know, these kind of people who always think that they are so, they see all and they don't need to learn anything and they've got it all down and everyone else is dim-witted and weak-minded and susceptible to propaganda. These are the very people who are the most susceptible to propaganda and uninformed because they're lazy-minded, because the establishment is constantly supporting their position, so they feel safe. They feel like they're, in quotes, the normal people, and everyone else are a bit weird, like I said, ignorant. This is the same kind of narrative about Brexit. And you hear some people talk this way about the Russian people. But the part, and the German people, of course, at the beginning of World War, uh, in that period between World War II and, and the rise of uh, Hitler's Germany, Anyway, I digress, but um, there were similarities. And, of course, this narrative was interpreted to this guy sounds a bit like Adolf Hitler talking about nuclear weapons and how he said he, don't want, that he doesn't want war. Oh, Hitler said that. Hitler said he wasn't going to do invade anybody. And then look what happened. He invaded everybody. And the West had no role in that, no, no role in provoking that, of course. So, anyway, in... I find his speech very interesting because it did have socialist elements, particularly economically and just things like healthcare and things like that. But in other elements, very, very 
conservative, very focused on the family and the Orthodox Church and tax breaks and things like that to promote the family and birth rates and this type of thing. Um, this, of course, is anathema to the Jewish-run West that wants white Western demographics to basically capitulate to zero if they can, and they've done a very good job of it over the last sort of 50 or 60 years particularly, and they would dearly love to see the complete eradication of the Christian church, which largely has now become impotent. The Catholic church is run by Marxists. You have a lot of Catholics these days. You don't seem to know the difference between Marxism and uh, Christianity. Um, so you can't be talking about, you know, promoting the church and having increased birth rates. This is a big problem. So, like I said, it's it's concerning because as well, because the narrative in this regard is very similar to Putin, when he hears this kind of rhetoric from the West, um, he needs to be circumspect. And, of course, some of the reports out of the Russian Defense Ministry are that they are preparing 800,000 more soldiers in response to Western rhetoric and aggression, as Putin outlined. But this could quite easily, for people who are uninformed or who dismiss out of hand everything Vladimir Putin says as lies and there's no trust in him as a basic way of being as a foundational belief system that Vladimir Putin cannot be trusted and you shouldn't believe a word he says. They never provide any evidence as to what he's actually said that gives them this huge mistrust of the man. There's, there's plenty you can point to in our politicians to do so, but they seem to ignore that. But um, for those who are hell-bent on this narrative that Vladimir Putin is the most evil man of our current time, second only to maybe Hitler, and he is hell-bent when he's finished with Ukraine to come and invade the Baltic countries, make his way through Europe, and then I guess eventually over the Atlantic into America, like they've got nothing better to do in Russia. If he responds and does produce another 800,000 soldiers, military, well, this will be interpreted not as him responding to Western aggression, but this will fit into the narrative. See, this guy's crazy. What does he need 800,000 soldiers for? This guy, like we told you, is planning to invade Europe. He won't stop at Ukraine. In fact... <clears throat> We've already heard this. In fact, Lord Lloyd Austin a couple of days ago, may even be as recently as yesterday, he said, quote, we need to prepare for war if Russia wins in Ukraine. Again, you're seeing this escalation in, in, in the rhetoric. I think he did say that if Russia wins in, in, in Ukraine, that they won't stop there and NATO troops will have to go there. And like I said, this becomes a self-perpetuating thing. And this happened in World War II as well. Hitler wasn't just building up his army to take back territories which he thought were 
rightfully German territories, he was building up his army because he was threatened by the West. Anyway, over in the Middle East there, we've had Israel basically doing what Israel does, which is just killing people with impunity. Um, There seems to be a new low for the Israelis on a weekly basis. Every time you think it couldn't possibly get any lower, well, they go and outdo themselves. So the IDF have killed 100 Palestinians accessing UN humanitarian aid. Well, they felt a bit threatened. They said there was a crowd of people, you know. So I, I don't suppose they could have fired some shots in the air or withdrew maybe some tear gas, maybe some water cannons. No, let's do it the IDF way. Just start killing people. And Israel just seems to be able to do what it wants with impunity. And you have these pathetic countries out there, those Arabs in Jordan and Egypt, flying over the sea, the Mediterranean there, dropping aid by sea so that the Palestinians can go swim out and get it. And you have Biden pretending he's doing his best to get humanitarian aid in there. It's all pathetic. You tell, you pick up the phone. You tell Netanyahu, it's over. You're pulling the plug whether you like it or not. And we're sending humanitarian aid into Gaza. And it's going to be escorted by U.S. troops and United Nations troops from other NATO countries. And you better stand down unless you want to get into a gunfight with us. But it's over. You're getting no more money. You're getting no more weapons. You're done. But it's an election year. The lobby wins the day. These politicians are completely unscrupulous, devoid of principle and morals. And we haven't... But, you know, you can be assured because the spokesperson for the the Biden administration has told us there'll be a full investigation conducted by the Israelis. So fear not, the truth will come out. bigger than me it's screaming out I want the truth you can't handle the truth you're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network real news real talk real people because you can handle the truth my name is John. I'm the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, and trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all, all of the coffee. It's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. So it literally gets to consumer's house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee, you have to try ours. It's fresh roasted. It's one of the best beans that we can get. And you will definitely see the difference. Visit blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. People often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting Extendivite. Allow me to read a few. 
After taking Extendivite for about six months, I've noticed improvement on the numbness of my hands and wrists from the carpal tunnel syndrome. I will continue to buy product. This formula is very powerful. I am feeling much better. My heart rate and blood pressure is stabilized. My lower edema has reduced and lower leg pain due to blood clots has disappeared. This product has relieved what appears to be an angina problem. Pain in the chest after climbing stairs and short on breath. I'm quite happy about it. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Extendovite. Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com. Or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-965-9113. DrinkSuperTea.com. Welcome back here to Last Man Standing with me, Paul Stevenson. This is Saturday, the 2nd of March. And just to remind you folks, we do need uh, some badly needed fundage to keep us on the air. Please do call us on 512-246-9549, extension 3, or toll-free 800-724-2719, extension 3, to help keep us on the air. It's important. Okay, so... Where was I? Yeah, so the, the uh, was it John Kirby or the other guy, uh, the spokesperson for the uh, Biden administration, was the other fella, slippery as you like, um, but somewhat impressive uh, compared when you compare it to Jean, what's her name, the, the black lesbian girl, Jean Pierre, somebody or other. Anyway. He has reassured us all that there will be a full investigation conducted by the Israelis. So, yeah. um, I'm sure we'll all get to the bottom of it. And uh, there's going to be tremendous accountability, no doubt, after the Israeli investigation. In fact, the Israelis have already come out and denied it all. They just do what they want. These people are out of control, obviously. But I don't think that regime is long for this world. 
the ironic thing is they um, they think they've got a divine mandate to, to be there. Well, I think <clears throat> they uh, should be aware that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Those people, uh, if they have any actual connection to the ancient Israelites, <clears throat> they were kicked off that land. And uh, far from having a divine mandate for it, <clears throat> they have no business being on it. And considering the slaughter and the satanic nature of what is occurring in Gaza, perpetrated by the Israelis, I think there will be a divine intervention on behalf of the Palestinians at some point. And that uh, it's going to spectacularly backfire on Israel eventually. It's becoming untenable for Western politicians anyway. You know, you look at the buying Biden's in at the moment. I mean, I mean, he he needs this to stop uh, if he has any chance of getting reelected. But yet he needs to lobby. He's damned if he does, and he's damned damned if he doesn't. Anyway, if you want to call in, you can call in five one two two four eight eight two five two toll free eight hundred three one three nine four four three. I think we've got Don in Arizona on the line. And uh, go ahead, uh, Don. What would you like to say? Hello, Paul Edward. Uh, last last man standing. Uh, yeah, the, the most important issue right now is this uh, Gaza war. Are you pro genocide or are you anti genocide? One or the other. You have to. Some people try to avoid the topic. They say, "Well, everybody's bad. Both sides are bad." No, I mean it's uh, you're either pro genocide or you're anti genocide. <clears throat> One reason, uh, you know, Israel never lets anybody do an independent investigation. They're they're doing their own investigation on uh, October seventh too. What happened there? Mm. And uh, well, exactly. You, yeah, yeah. You mentioned uh, Max Blumenthal. He he he's the one that blew up that uh, whole uh, story about there were rapes there. There were no rapes there. They didn't have time. This was a short military raid. They went there. They they beat the military and they took some some hostages and they took. Uh, some civilian hostages. They took a lot of military hostages. They still got, I guess, a general, one or two generals, and some a lot of IDF soldiers. That's what their hostages are, and some uh, civilians. But yeah, Max has done some good work on that. And he also, um, you know, uh, confirmed a story that even Haaretz in a left-wing newspaper in Israel did that the IDF themselves killed a lot of those soldiers. It's possible yeah. that the IDF. Killed, killed all of them. They but did. They did. They're the only ones that had that kind of weaponry to burn up those cars like that. There was hellfire missiles. There's a lot of charred. They didn't have that kind of weapons. No. Uh, it, it's that's the Hannibal Dog. See, that's the thing. They they control all the every damn uh, last uh, TV station, whether it's Fox or CNN mm. or BBC. They control all that stuff somehow. Don't ask me how. How, does, how do they control BBC? That's supposed to be owned by the, the government, isn't it? And yet the yeah, well, Israelis yeah. control that, too. Yeah, well, but the problem they have, of course, <clears throat> is networks like this and people like John Mersheimer who are on Judge Napolitano's show and people like Douglas McGregor and others like that and Blumenthal and other websites and networks with wide influence, you know, other people on Odyssey and and things like that, which are not uh, getting their information from mainstream media. So 
Um, you know, it is. In the long, long run, they're losing. Israel's losing the propaganda war too. The Hasbara, they call it Hasbara. They're losing that war too because people, people just do not trust. Nobody really believes CNN anymore or BBC. They they no, might listen God. to it, but they know it's a bunch of lies. So they, if they want to get the truth, yeah, they'll go to somebody like uh, Judge Judge Napolitano and uh, listen to Wilkerson. Wilkerson. The retired colonel, he said, uh, one of his famous things he said, he said, you can't believe anything that comes out of Israel because they lie, they lie about everything, which is true. They, I mean, they lie, they, they lie, every time they open their mouth, it's a lie, uh, and not, nobody likes it. I don't like it. Maybe you like it, Paul Edward. I don't like it when people, people lie to me. No, and not only that, but anytime anybody pushes back on them, the response is so crude, it's so childish that, you know, everybody is a supporter of Hamas, you're a supporter of terrorism. Um, it, it seems to have been forgotten uh, that before the state of Israel was officially uh, came and, you know, officially um, birthed, that there were a lot of Israeli terrorists, self-proclaiming terrorists, yeah. Uh, including terrorists who killed 90 sol British soldiers at the King David Hotel and hung three or four right. of them on a tree. Um, this seems to be getting get forgotten. So anybody who ever, you know, questions Israel's, uh, let's just say, questionable behavior in response to October 7th, notwithstanding, you know, all the stuff we just spoke about was October 7th, they get accused childishly, uh, aggressively in such a simplistic manner of being a supporter of uh, Hamas, supporter of terrorism, uh, an anti-Semite, uh, you know, anybody who brings up the Holocaust and says that you guys talk about your Holocaust and now you're conducting one on uh, Palestinian. This is a, you know, a stain on the memory of the six million Holocaust, uh, you know, victims, et cetera, et cetera. And it's always very aggressive and sort of like simple kind of terms. I mean, you, you know, there's no nuance to it. There's, you know, it's devoid of any nuance. It's just you're a supporter of Hamas, you know, or uh, in the first place, Hamas. What is Hamas? Hamas is just the government of Gaza. I mean, it, it, it's the government. They ran everything. They, they actually were not a military organization. They were a government. They had, I guess, some uh, soldiers. But there are other soldiers that were not Hamas. And I don't even know exactly which who, uh, who did the uh, October 7th thing. It, it was a combination. But, but Hamas is not, a, is not an army. It's, it's a... It's a government. They ran the schools, the hospitals, and all that, uh, you know, buses, everything like that. They were the elected mm. government of, the, of Gaza Strip. So, I mean, the first thing they always tried to say when this thing started, do you condemn Hamas? How the hell can I condemn? I don't even know who the hell Hamas is. How can I, you know, people, they tried to make everybody condemn Hamas. Otherwise, well, it's a, you're in for it, right? It's, <laughs> it's, you see, it's, it's constantly... Are you supporting terrorism? Uh, so it's this word that has been severely, you know, it's a pejorative uh, so that any defense in, in support of Hamas's right to defend itself, <laughs> it, you are called a supporter of terrorism. So they, they simplify everything by saying, are you supporting terrorism? We get this in the oh, yeah. UK all the time by centrist right type media. And uh, it's wearing thin. 
No, it's what people are tired of it. People are more and more just sick and tired of it. And like you say, there's no there's no need for Israel to be there anyway. The people, a lot of them have already left. A lot of the Israelis, they have other passports. They have a lot of money in the bank. And they don't have to stay there. They're just there because they like to be around a lot of Jews. And, uh, you know, it's uh, the weather's nice and stuff like that. But they can. They have other homes. A lot of them have, 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 have they say half a million have already left. Since this stuff started. Well, not only that, and, not only that, but apparently you've got you know you've got two types of Jews. You've got you've got Jews who live in Europe and America, and apparently they have a certain tolerance to to be able to bear and tolerate this constant hatred, this constant persecution, and this constant marginalization, and they are able to live every day in threat of their lives, uh, in fear of their lives. And then you've got these other people in, in Israel who have to flee, and they, they just can't. They don't have the constitution. They don't have the stomach for this. So they have to go to Israel uh, where it's safe because that's the narrative, you see, because after what happened with the Holocaust, Israel needed to have a, a home where they feel safe. So all these other Jews around the world who, I, like I said, I presume they're not safe. They ju- they're just able to tolerate this constant uh, threat every on a daily basis basis and they're marked they're able to live with uh, with the other people around them you, you know the whole you mentioned the holocaust that's uh what actually happened there i mean to me that was a bunch of lies too there was not six million people killed and there was no there really there's no evidence of any gas chambers they died they died they were slave laborers and some of them died a lot of them got died, died of bullets but i mean the supposedly the final solution was hitler Somehow Hitler wanted to kill every Jew. Why didn't he just put a bullet in every Jew's head? That would have killed him. There would have been zero Holocaust survivors. So the whole thing is a well, bunch of a bunch of BS. Benjamin Netanyahu is controversially on record to say that Hitler didn't kill the Jews and didn't commit a Holocaust against the Jews, but Hitler wanted to get them to uh, wanted them to leave. And, yeah, that's all uh, he wanted. That's what Hitler wanted. He wanted to, just like every other country wanted. They wanted the Jews to leave and go somewhere else, right? In Germany at the time, with the type of things that we're now seeing in the West, uh, the sort of uh, moral degeneracy that was occurring, um, you know, you had a lot of homosexuality, you had all sorts of prostitution, you had mother and daughters combinations of prostitution, you had strange sort of people, dwarfs, all sorts of just completely degenerate things in prostitution. You had a lot of homosexuality. You had transgender, believe it or not, at that time uh, being pushed as well. So there was a reaction to that in Germany, much like we are well, Jews, Jews, get, Jews get paid. If they were a Holocaust survivor, quote, unquote, uh, I mean, how did you survive if, it was, if, it, if every Jew was supposed to get killed? Why didn't they kill you? You know, there's one story that a guy was waiting at the gas chamber and uh he was real smart. He picked up a broom and started sweeping so they didn't throw him in the gas chamber. What the hell? How You know, this just totally ridiculous stories. There was one lady that told the story. Oh, she was waiting in the waiting room to the gas chamber with her son. And uh, But she didn't They she didn't have to go in at the last minute. They they left. And How can they have a waiting room? You know, it's, it, it's ridiculous in the first place. If they want to kill him, they could give them a shot. Some some of them did get shots for the doctors if they were not able to work and they were just dying and or whatever. They were just uh, not able to do any productive slave labor. It was, I mean, I'm not saying it was great. They got rounded up and thrown in their slave labor, but they but they had to make up all the embellish all this stuff. Uh, 
gas mm. chamber. There's, they used that gas chamber to, to de-louse clothing, to kill the lice because there was cholera. And even in that, there's a, there's a book uh, by Kurt Vonnegut Jr., Slaughterhouse-Five, which was his autobiographical, autobiographical novel of, uh, of the war. When he, he got captured and it was thrown in a, in a Nazi uh, prison camp, and he he talks about in that book he talks about he could hear his uh they took his his clothes his army uniform and uh and they was tumbling around and the the gas they used the gas to kill lice to make because they didn't want a disease so that's all it was but I'm sure you got a lot of callers there on your uh, on your line uh Mr. Stevens I don't know. Paul Edward. I, I I haven't checked um I'm not sure Oh I think well, we're about to break it yeah, I mean, the thing is, uh, I think people should come down. I mean, not everybody can, uh, what can we do about this uh, Holocaust? One thing you do is just say you're against, hol- you're against, you're against genocide. But a lot of people yeah. just want to keep completely quiet about it. They don't want to piss off any Jews. Oh, hell with them. I don't care. I mean, I like Jews, but they can get pissed off just like anybody else can. It doesn't bother me. I'll let you go. Thank you. All right. Okay, so we're uh, going to break in a couple of minutes. Um, thank you, Don, for calling in. Again, if anybody wants to call in for the last sort of five minutes, we've got uh, the number is uh, 800-724-2719. And again, if you want to donate to us, we need that. So you can do that on 512-246-9549. And then the toll-free number is 800 724 uh, 2719 extension 3 um, okay so we've got about uh, 10 minutes we've got um, time for any more callers if they call in I don't know so anyway um, oh sorry I think the, the call in number I've been giving it out wrong incorrectly is it it's 800 no sorry 800 yeah what was I saying? I think I might have been giving out the uh, um, donate option <laughs> because we, we really need the donate option, so I've been a little preoccupied by that. Yeah, so the call-in number is um, 800-313-9443. All right, so, yeah, so very much they use the, the Holocaust as a justification for what uh, what they're doing in Gaza. I mean, it really is incredible. Um they are, must be the only nation in history that are able to perpetrate a slaughter, an ethnic cleansing in front of the whole watching world, uh, all the while proclaiming themselves as victims and uh, done so uh, to prevent another Holocaust. Um, but this is what we're dealing with. Um, this is, I suppose, what people refer to as... Uh, Gaslighting. This is kind of gaslighting on on steroids. Uh, the unfortunate thing is that they are able to get away with it because of APAC or over here in the UK, um, conservative friends of Israel, Labour friends of Israel. Uh, so this is obviously causing problems in the UK as well, particularly for the Labour Party, who typically rely on the vote of um, immigrant Muslims and their descendants. Uh, in the last, the, you know, the, the, the new generations of them since they sort of came in here and continue to do so. So, again, as a headache for 
the Labour Party, and that's why George Galloway got uh, the seat he Corporate did. Corporate media dominates the American opinion. Finding independent voices that counter this avalanche is becoming increasingly difficult. With the endless corruption running rampant throughout our government, independent voices are needed more than ever to battle the offensive against our freedoms and liberties. As a listener of RBN, no one understands this concept better than you. Now it's up to you to do your part. The time has come for you to take action and begin broadcasting the truth to hundreds or thousands of people every month. Sound impossible? Quite the contrary. With pointed slogans from LibertyStickers.com, you can reach countless sleeping Americans unaware that they live in a real-life wonderland. LibertyStickers.com has a huge inventory of political bumper stickers and messages that reflect the truth about our government, our politicians, and the future of America. With so many in stock, there's one perfect for you. Visit us today at LibertyStickers.com. Again, that's LibertyStickers.com. Do your part. Your voice is important. Let it be heard. Hey there, are you going to wait till the cows come home to get your new ease-off drop and lift? What in the world is an ease-off drop and lift? Our ease-off is a new tool to increase production for your meat processing company that will get that whole hog or half a beef on or off your rail with our remote control. That sounds great, but can I afford it? Sure, and the ease-off installs fast. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue, speed up your line, and increase profits. Okay, I'm convinced. Where can I get my ease-off? Go to easeoff.com. That's E-A-Z-E-O-F-F.com. And hurry, because we're offering free shipping for a limited time. Easeoff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. Ease off, LLC, 417-932-6419. Homeowners, if your lender has gone out of business or sold your transaction to another lender or servicer, you may be the victim of a wrongful foreclosure resulting in the loss of your home. If you've already lost your home, are in foreclosure, or even in good standing, you can challenge the mortgage transaction's illegal issue, and your property can be restored to you, and your foreclosure can be stopped or reversed, and the mortgage transaction declared unenforceable. State laws, U.S. title codes, the Uniform Commercial Codes, and U.S. Supreme Court rulings have upheld that defective mortgage documentations can reverse or stop foreclosures and enforce property title claims in favor of the homeowner. We are having successes in stopping the process of foreclosure, the enforcement of the foreclosure judgments, the sale of property, and evictions after the sale. We are not attorneys, and we don't give legal advice. We are a professional team of legal researchers, providing forensic mortgage audits and expert witnesses. We have the knowledge to produce the evidence and enforce laws regarding your legal issues. We've been in business for 12 years without a complaint. Consultations are free, and we provide a free title search to confirm if your mortgage has legal defects. Email tom at republicbroadcasting.org. T-O-M at republicbroadcasting.org. And welcome back here for the last few minutes uh, on Republic Broadcasting Network with me, Paul Stevenson. So George Galloway is now officially an MP again, and this, of course, is going to put the cat among the pigeons because um, George is a very outspoken guy, and he would be unique in the Parliament And when he does uh, be sworn in. in uh, 
been very much opposed to this uh, anti-Russian, pro-Ukrainian narrative, and of course, even more so, he, I suppose, is very much has his identity tied up with being anti-Israeli, or not even anti-Israeli, but pro-Palestinian, and outspoken for the people of Palestine, which is why he finds himself as an MP. He ran for the district of uh, Rochdale and had a landslide. And, of course, the hypocrites are out in full force in the media and the opposition uh, condemning this as uh, more or less a failure of democracy, that this has somehow been influenced by Islamic extremists. I don't know. Is there The fact of the matter is, on the rare occasion that democracy... Uh, works the way that we're all told it's supposed to work rather than have been controlled completely by special interests <clears throat> well they have a meltdown um, they only like democracy when they get the result they want uh, when they get the result they want uh, then they're happy with democracy when Brexit doesn't go the way they want then they have a meltdown and it's as a result of uh, dim-witted, ignorant people who've been influenced by nefarious politicians and propaganda. Uh, in 2016, when Trump won the election, they said it was uh, stolen. They didn't like the result. When the 2020 election, with quite a lot of supporting evidence, was at least heavily, profoundly compromised, then, of course, it was conspiracy theorists, uh domestic terrorists, those who are hell-bent on undermining our precious democracies and, of course, criminalized in some cases. And for those who had the temerity to question that election. And now that George Galloway's had an overwhelming majority in, uh, in the vote for him uh, to become an MP again, well, because they don't like the result, they're not too interested in celebrating democracy because he's not the right guy. Um, like I said, democracy is largely a facade, and occasionally you get a black, a democratic black swan event like George Galloway being uh, sworn in or uh, finding himself as an MP again, I think, after maybe like 12 or 15 years, maybe. I'm not sure exactly. I have mixed feelings about Galloway myself when it comes to foreign policy, when it comes to Israel, when it comes to the Ukraine war with Russia. There's very little I disagree with the man on. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, he is definitely going to ruffle some feathers there. It'll make uh, British politics somewhat more interesting again to have someone there. And whether you like Galloway or not, unlike, I would say, the big four. Sunday, not next Saturday, next Sunday at 1 p.m. Central. Uh, that's Sunday, that is the 9th or the 10th, the 10th, I believe. So that's 1 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Eastern, next Sunday, the 10th of March. Until then, God bless.
Hello, hello, hello from beautiful Colorado. My name is Samuel Jung Kay, and I am currently the lead Shilajit hunter and master herbalist for Colorado Shilajit Company. In this video series, I will be discussing what we believe is the greatest of all adaptogenic superfoods and the single greatest natural healing remedy gifted to us by Mother Earth. I think you too will become as excited by this incredible substance called Shilajit as we were and are after our discovery of this amazing gift right here in beautiful, colorful Colorado. You may already know Shilaji by other names: Shilajit, Momio, Momi, Mami, Mineral Pitch, Asphaltum, and others. Shilaji literally translates to "destroyer of weakness and conqueror of mountains." Shilaji has been in use for thousands of years and is considered as the highest valued cure-all of any earthly substance. Look for the gold mountain and medical symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org to watch the full video and see more information. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G O R B N. You can't handle the truth. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit republicbroadcasting.org today because you can handle the truth.